Good morning, everyone. <laughs> so who, who's enjoyed the series on James so far? Okay, not so many people have enjoyed it. Who's been, who's been challenged by the series of James so far? Okay, James is a, is a very, very challenging book. And today, um, I'm not going to look at a, a, a portion of James and, and dig into it and take it apart, but instead I just want to look at two or three scriptures right at the end of James, where I believe James shows us our need for people. And I think we've, over the last few weeks, we've had a lot of challenging, we've gone through a lot of challenging topics, things like t- taming the tongue, generosity, gratitude gives, overcoming temptation, um, trusting in times of testing, embracing diversity and not showing partiality and the power of prayer. And those are some big challenges and we can get overwhelmed with life and leave, leave these doors and, and not think about them again. Or it can just be too overwhelming for us. But I believe that at the end of James, he gives us the answer on how to actually embrace these. How to actually put them into our lives so that we can see um, ourselves becoming more like Jesus and seeing these things happen more in our lives. Um, so today I've titled my message, um, An Invitation to Community. So we believe in this church, we believe that life change happens in the context of relationships. We believe that relationships are the soil for growth. So if you want to see life change in your life, if you want to become more like Jesus, then you need to plant yourself into life-giving relationships. So, oh, it's going to take me some time to get used to this. This pulpit is quite overwhelming. (laughs) I feel quite short. Anyway. Um, okay, so, so this topic is something that I'm very passionate about because I've really seen God do something in my life through community. There's so many areas in our lives, in our marriage, in um, our finances, in our parenting, in my relationship with Jesus, community has played a massive role. We don't, Reese and I have a great marriage. It's my husband, Reese, the good looking one in the front there. Um, he told me to say that, I should say. Anyway. <laughs> Um, okay. So, what am I saying? I've lost my place now. Okay, so we, have, we do have a good marriage. It's not perfect. So we do fight often, but it's, but it's fulfilling and it's healthy. Not because we have a match made in heaven or because I found the perfect life partner, but because we have people who speak into our marriage. They speak life into our marriage. In our finances, I feel like we've been able to make good choices um, so that we can be good stewards of our finances, not because we're naturally great at finances, or at least I'm not, but because we were part of a life group. And in life group, we went through a finance curriculum and we, we wrestled with it with each other. And then we ended up sitting with somebody from this church who I think is actually in the service, um, who's in finances. And we sat down with him and his partner and we looked at our budgets and we looked at our finances and we, we, we asked for advice and we got advice on how to best steward our finances. Um, in our parenting, Guys, parenting is hard work. <laughs> Sheesh. You know, I might be a children's pastor, but I'm not naturally an incredible parent. Like, it takes a lot of work. And the way our parenting is, is because of the influence of many people. The books that people have recommended, friends that we've chatted through, um, how we've seen people model it to us. We, our, friend, our parenting has been shaped and influenced by the people in our lives. And then mostly in my relationship with Jesus, I get to enjoy 
a vibrant and intimate life-giving relationship with Jesus because of the teaching and the discipleship and the community that I experience in this church. In um, John 10 verse 10, Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And now he's not talking about rich as in money. He's talking about it full of goodness. So God came or Jesus came to give us a rich and satisfying life. And we can have that. We can all have a rich and satisfying life, but we don't achieve it on our own. It's with people in our lives. So relationships are the soil for growth. If we, if we want to see our lives grow, if we want to have a rich and satisfying life, we need to plant ourselves into life-giving relationships. Yeah. So let's read, let's read in James what he says at the end of James. James 5, 16. He says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And then if we jump down to verse 19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about forgiveness of many sins. So James is talking to the church, and he's saying, Get together. Um, connect with each other, build into each other, invest in each other, pray with each other. Because somebody, um, sorry, because the prayers of someone who loves Jesus and is living for him is powerful and produces wonderful results. And don't get distracted where he says the prayers of a righteous person, because the word of God says that we are called righteous because of our faith in Jesus. And so if you believe in Jesus and you're choosing to live for him, then you are that righteous person that James is talking about. And he's saying that your, your prayers have power and that they will produce wonderful results. So he's talking to each one of us and saying, get together and do this for one another. And why, why do you think James says, get together and confess your sins to one another? Um, can, we, can we forgive people's sins? Answer is no. Thank you, Jess. Uh, <laughs> we can't. Only God can forgive our sins. But at the end of the verse, he says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. James is not only referring to physical healing, but also to spiritual healing. Because when we confess our sins to God, God is faithful and he will forgive us. But when we confess our, confess our sins to one another, that's where we experience healing. And so I believe that James is encouraging us towards community. And then if we go down, oh, sorry. Okay, community leads to victory. If I, if I have to confess to, to God that maybe I say I'm not speaking very nicely to my husband, I'm like, God, I'm really sorry for the way I've been speaking to, to Reese lately. Please forgive me. That's, that's easy for me to do. But then as soon as I had to sit with a friend and say, hey, listen, I'm... I'm feeling quite convicted on the way that I'm speaking to Reese at the moment. Um, I, need, I, need, I need to change something. Suddenly, there's an accountability. So now I have to, I might need to actually do something about what I'm saying. And she might actually ask me again, hey, how, how's things going with Reese? How's your attitude been lately? And there's, there's an accountability that'll help me to actually put into place the things that I'm wanting to change. So community leads to victory. In Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, As iron shape sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. 
It's people who help us become better versions of ourselves. Having life-giving relationships in your life will help you become more like Jesus. Then if we go down in James again to verse 19, I feel like James makes an assumption of the church. He assumes that not everyone in church is going to stay in a relationship with Jesus. And he challenges us to reach out to those people, to bring them back so that they may be saved. James lets us know that we can make a difference in someone else's life through relationship and through community. You cannot live a victorious Christian life on your own. And so my first point today is we were created for community. We were designed and we were created for relationship. The very reason that we are here on earth is because of a relationship. Because Jesus desired a relationship with us. And salvation is not a, it's not a box that we tick on a form, yes, I'm Christian. It's, it's, not a, it's not a religious duty that we do on a Sunday by coming to church. Salvation is a relationship with Jesus, a friendship with Jesus. And, and the Bible's full of verses and stories and about relationships, about community. And I just want to read a few of them to you. In Hebrews 10, 24 to 25... It says, let us, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So motivate each other, meet together. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11, it says, so encourage one another and build each other up just as you are already doing. Galatians 6 verse 2. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. And then I like this one in Ecclesiastes, because I feel like, I feel like Son of Solomon says some stuff with a bit of um, sarcasm. Like, <laughs> Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 says, Obviously, duh, two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can you keep warm on your own? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I feel like he's saying, obviously, we are better together. And then lastly, just in John 13, 34 to 35. It says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So it's the way we love people, the way we interact with people, that will show the world that we love Jesus. I heard a great quote in a sermon the other day. It's by a lady called um, Christine Paul. And it's, it's very much on this verse. It says, how we live together is the most persuasive sermon we will ever get to preach. So our relationship with God is reflected in our relationship with people. So if you want to know where your relationship with God is, if you want to try and judge how, like, where you are with God, then you need to look at where your relationships with people are. Because what's happening in your relationship with people is the reflection of where your heart is with God. When you have a vibrant, intimate relationship with God, you just can't help but loving people and building into them. People matter to me because people matter to God. 
But I do also know that there are different levels to relationships, and each person's personality plays a part. We're all different, and we're all at a different place with God. We're all at a different space in church life and with people. And so I've put together just three different levels that I think um, are kind of the three levels of relationships. And I've said that level one is the social, the social level, and that's where you're socializing. Okay, that's, the, that's the first level. So that would be things like organized events. That would be um, external ownership. So where somebody puts on an event or the, a church service, a church setting like this would be a space to socialize in the cafe afterwards. Um, we're creatures of habit, so we tend to sit in the same spot every Sunday, pull, and if I come to church, I know you're going to be, if you're here, you're there, right? Okay? So we're all sitting around the same people. And so this, in the socializing, maybe it's, maybe for you, maybe you don't know anyone else sitting in this building. Maybe you're coming here and you come every now and then on a Sunday, but, but you haven't got connections. You're not connected to people in the church. Then just start noticing. Start noticing the people that are sitting around you every single Sunday and maybe one day just greet them. Hey, I'm, I'm John. I see you every week. Nice to meet you. Sit down, listen to the sermon. Next week, hey, nice to see you again. How was your week? You know, it's, it's, it's simple steps that we can take in a group socialized setting where we can just get to know people. So maybe that's your first step for today. Maybe you just actually need to say hi to somebody or greet somebody. Some of you might need to stay after the service for five minutes and just grab a coffee today instead of rushing off so that you can just have an opportunity to put yourself in an environment where you can meet someone. Other parts, other organized events that we have in the church would be life groups. It would be um, growth track. There's, there's a bunch of guys that get together on a Saturday. They go play soccer. It's open. Anyone's welcome. That's a setting where you can do something fun. You're doing something so you're not sitting and talking the whole time, but you can just get to know people. I run a mom's group on a... Um, Wednesday, on a Wednesday morning, and it's open for anyone. It's, it's literally just to socialize with other moms and talk about our children. That's all we do. But we're putting ourselves out there, we're getting to know people, and we're, we're connecting, okay? So that's our first level. That's the socializing element. Then I think the next level would be friendship. And this is where the ownership, ownership shifts, where we then take ownership for the relationships. So we're going to the soccer on a Saturday and we're getting to know some guys and we really, um, you know, you, you're enjoying um, hanging out with them and then you invite them over for a braai. That's where friendships start, start forming. When you take the ownership to initiate and to invite, maybe you ask somebody to get together for coffee or you invite somebody around for dinner. Um, yeah, so that's, that would be friendship. And that's, that's, that's the part where we're making memories. So you're going away with your friends and, and you, you're having fun together. And this is how friendships form. But the ownership, you have to own, own your friendships. Otherwise, you're going to stay in the socializing zone if you're not ever taking ownership and inviting and investing. And then the last level, I think, would be community. And community is when we start getting real with people. When we have moments of vulnerability, where there's humility and there's teachability. And I think community can seem like, sheesh, what are you, are you t- trying to tell me to sit down and, you know, open my heart to people? No, community is the third level. So you first need to just start with the socializing, if that's where you are. Or you need to build into your friendships, um, connect more with people. And 
you don't do community with everyone. You do community with a few people. So it's the people that you've built friendships with, which you, who you're doing life with. But there has to, if you want to swap over to community, there has to be a point where you're willing to be vulnerable. Where, and it's not your entire relationship doesn't suddenly get serious. I have loads of fun with my friends that I do community with, but there's moments of vulnerability. There's a realness that when they ask me, hey, look at the dance today, what's happening? Where I'm actually honest and I say, actually, I'm feeling overwhelmed with work or I'm feeling this way. And it's, it's moments of honesty and vulnerability that will lead you to, into community with people. Okay, so I want to share a quick story from my life. I joined um, View Church in 2004. I was 20 years old. I'd recently given my life to Jesus. I'd only just moved to Cape Town, so I didn't know anyone yet. And I joined View Church in Tableview. And joining church, I realized I needed to get involved straight away because I'm, I'm very social and I wanted to get to know people. So I joined Kids Church. Actually, I got together with Jason. I was like, I don't even know who he was. I was like, I want to, I want to do something in the church. What do I do? He's like, well, what do you like? I was like, well, I like children. So he's like, okay, join Kids Church. And I was like, okay. And I, and I started serving in Kids Church. I joined a life group. And at that time, in the table church, Young adults had, an, there was a great young adult culture. So we would all come to church together in the evenings and then we would go and take over preemie or spur afterwards and we'd just get together and drink milkshakes and have fun. We also had young adults camps. So I would go on, on camps and that's where I built most of my friendships. And it, it was a really fun time in the life of church. Being a young adult in church is the best place that you can be. And yeah, so, so I had a great social Great social life. I was out all the time. I was serving. I was involved. And at that time, I was still staying with my parents. And then one day, we got the news that my parents were getting a divorce. And even though I was in my 20s, somehow this really shook me. I just I had this picture of my future, and suddenly it wouldn't be like that anymore. I was going to leave home, and then what home do I come back to? When I have children, where's my family home? Where's, you know, everything would have changed, and I was angry, and I was disappointed. And even though I had so many friends, and my social circle was great, I still didn't feel like I could talk to anyone about the way that I was feeling. So instead, I pulled myself away from my friends. And at that point, I was still, I was waitressing, and I, I didn't want to go home at night. The thought of going home to, I just wanted, I wanted to get home when everyone was asleep, and I didn't have to talk to anyone. And so I would go out after work every night, and going out with the types of friends that I was hanging out with at, at the restaurant led to other things. And slowly, over a few weeks, I suddenly found that I was slipping back into all my old ways. I was getting into an unhealthy relationship, which was taking me down a road that I didn't want to go down. And suddenly, I was battling with all the same bad habits that I had before. But even in this time, I was still keeping up appearances at church. So I was still serving in kids' ministry. I was still going to life group, but I had another life that nobody knew about. Until one day, one day at kids' church, Sue called me aside. She was like, Tammy, what's going on? You don't look yourself. Like, what's happening? Talk to me. And I did. I ended up telling her everything that was going on. I cried. She listened. I confessed. She nodded. <laughs> and... And what stood out to me was that she didn't judge me, and she didn't ask me to step down from kids' ministry. Instead, she offered to walk a road with me. 
And Sue and Jason had Taylor at that time, and she was very little. I think she was still a baby. And uh, because, because I found it, because I worked till so late, I didn't have the self-discipline at 12 o'clock at night that I would, you know, in the middle of the day. And so I found it hard not to go out and not to just try, want to just get lost in a different world. And so Sue set her alarm for midnight every night. She had a young baby. She set her alarm for midnight every night, and she would phone me when my shift ended. She'd say, hey, Tammy, what you busy doing? I'd be like, nothing, just finished work. She's like, where are you going after work? I'm like, home, <laughs> obviously. And she would tell me the reasons. This is why you want to go home. This is why you don't want to go down this road. This is, this is what God has for your future. This is where you need to be. And she did this for ages. We still figuring out if that's the start of her sleep issues. But <laughs> joking, it's not, obviously. But um, I have no idea where I am. Anyway. <laughs> but Sue, Sue modeled James 19, 5 verse 19, where she saw somebody wandering and she went after them and she brought me back. And I'm so grateful that I get to stand here today because of relationships. And I just want to point out that I wasn't not connected. I was connected to church. I was in a life group. I was serving. People knew who I was. I was involved in the life of the church. And so if I hadn't been connected at all, I don't think anybody would have noticed if I just slowly started slipping away, started choosing a different lifestyle, and who knows where I would have ended up. And so maybe some of you are sitting here today and you're tempted to think, but nobody's ever done that for me. Like, I haven't been in church for three weeks. Nobody's noticed that I haven't been here. Well, then my question to you is, are you connected? Are you part of a dream team? Are you part of a life group? Do people know that you're here on a Sunday? Because it's your responsibility to get connected. We, We can show you the way, but you need to walk through the door. And so if you get today and you're not connected, the way that we get connected in this church is through um, Growth Track. And so we, we, um, yeah, we wanna, I want to invite you to join Growth Track. You could, there's a, a card on your seat, a connect card. You can fill out your details there, put your name and your number, connect, tick Growth Track, and somebody will contact you because that's your first step. If you want to get connected, if you want to build relationships, start a journey towards community, then you need to get connected. And Growth Track is definitely the first, the first step for you. And maybe you're sitting here today, and as I'm speaking, you're thinking, well, lucky you, you had Sue. I am connected. I am in a life group, but still, no one's been that for me in my life. Well, I want to encourage you to be that for somebody else first. And you'll, you'll be amazed when you do what you, want, what, what you want somebody to do for you, when you do it for them, you'll be amazed at the kind of relationships that you find because you attract who you are. And so if you are that person, those people are going to be attracted to you. There's a, a verse in Matthew seven twelve, which says, Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law of the prophets. So I want to propose to you today that there's more to church than a Sunday service. If, if your only contact with church and with other Christians is just coming here every now and then on a Sunday morning, then you're missing out. God has so much more for you. And the more that you're going to get is going to be within relationships. So church isn't what happens. This isn't church. This is a church service. 
Church is what happens when we leave those doors together, where we connecting in the in the cafe, where we're connecting in homes on the weekends, where we're having our team huddles before the service, and where we're growing together in growth track after the services. That's church. That's where church happens. So this church, our vision is that we want to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus. So that's what we do here on a Sunday. We put on the best services that we can. We pursue excellence. We choose joy, and we do the best that we can because we believe that everyone in this community needs an opportunity to experience the life-giving message of Jesus. So that's Sundays. But then our invitation to you is to join us as we know God, discover purpose, make a difference, find freedom. <laughs> Thank you. Missed one there. Okay. So, so we, want, we, want, we want you and we want ourselves to, to get to know God better, to start hearing His voice, to, to experience a relationship with Him. We want to, we want to find freedom from things like addiction, um, I wrote a bunch of stuff down here. Where is it? Unforgiveness, bitterness, hurt, rejection. And we, wanted to, we want you to discover why you were made. What is your purpose? And together we want to make a difference in this community. But that part of it doesn't happen on a Sunday morning. That part of it happens in the context of relationships. Because relationships are the soil to growth. So if we're wanting to grow, if we're wanting to experience freedom, then we need to plant ourselves into life-giving relationships. And whatever that looks like for you. So you're in different, we're all in different stages. So don't panic if you're in stage zero and you actually just, just start with your first step. Start with your next step. Just connect with somebody or just sign up for growth track. But if you're in the second stage and you've got friends around you, then be vulnerable with them and take, take a risk. Do, do whatever your next step is, step into that in order to see your freedom or in order to grow. And then my second point today, in five minutes, is <laughs> building life-giving relationships is hard work. We were created for community, but we drift towards isolation. We live in a culture of individualism, where everything is about the individual. Your needs matter. Your, your, um, you deserve this. Just take care of yourself. Nobody else will. But that's not kingdom culture. Kingdom culture is Philippians 2 verse 3. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try and impress people or others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. So how do, we, how do we build community when we live in a culture that's completely opposite? Community isn't natural. We don't drift towards life-giving relationships. We drift towards isolation. And when I was researching for, for this message, I found so many surveys online that speak about the epidemic of loneliness. It's saying that this generation is the loneliest generation ever. Like we live in this connected world where you can just pick up your phone and you feel like you're in a room of people. You feel like you're connected. But WhatsApp messages and Facebook interactions were never meant to replace personal interactions, face-to-face meetings with people. And I want to read you this one thing that they say. They're saying people who have frequent in-person daily interactions have lower loneliness scores and are in better overall and mental health than those who do not. The, The statistics are scary for how lonely the world is. 
And if I had to read you some of these, I'm pretty sure you'd be, you'd be able to relate to some of them. Because we don't drift towards healthy, life-giving relationships. We drift towards isolation and loneliness. And so, five minutes. Community is inconvenient. It's not natural. It doesn't just happen. And so we have to work at it. Building life-giving relationships takes hard work. It takes time. It's risky. It takes vulnerability. And it takes humility. So I had a friend come over the other day. She comes over quite often. Her husband travels quite a bit in the week. And um, she's sitting over there. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so she came over just to do the tough part of, if you're a mom, you know that that crunch hour is quite tough. It's the just getting them fed, getting them bathed, getting them ready for bed is, is hard on your own when you've got three children. And so she came over, she brought her kids, and we did that together. We did bath time, um, and we, we made a weird throw-together dinner that was actually delicious, and got everyone ready for bed, read stories, and then she took her kids home to sleep. And when she, she messaged me when she got home, and she's like, I'm so sorry, that was so crazy. She's like, I'm sorry to bring my, my craziness into your home. And I was like, no, that's what life is about. Like, it's not convenient. It would have been easier, to be honest, for her to stay at home. It would have taken less effort for her to stay at home, but it wouldn't have been better because that's what causes loneliness. When you're alone in your home, dealing with the day in, the day out by yourself, where there's somebody down the road that's doing the exact same thing, why not do it together? And so if you're wanting to grow in community, if you're wanting to get connected, you actually need to allow some inconvenience in your life. Your life could be messy but full, or your life can be clean but empty. So just on these topics of it takes time, it's risky, it takes vulnerability, and it takes humility. Don't expect to build life-giving relationships in a few weeks. When Reese and I first, um, we, when I moved over to Milneton, we had just gotten, or we were just getting married, and we... We started talking about, okay, who are we going to do life with? Who are, we going to, who are going to be the friends? Because if you choose your friends, you will have good friendships. Don't allow your friends to choose you. You choose your friends. And so we were looking at, okay, who, who are we going to, who's going to be our friends? And, and we tried with lots of different people. And let me just tell you, rejection is inevitable. Okay, some people don't have capacity or they already have. You might think they're a great a great couple and you want to hang out with them, but they might have already a full community of people. Don't get offended. Just move on. And so we tried. We tried for two years. It took us two years. We tried with different people. Some people it didn't work out with. Then we moved on and we tried with different people until today we, have, we are surrounded with an incredible community. We, we love doing. Those are our people. It's the people we do life with. It's the people that speak into our life. And there's been moments where, I, where we've had to have humility in those friendships. So it's taken time, it's been risky, and we've had to be humble. I remember when I was at a baby shower the one day, and one of my friends pulled me aside, great friend, we've been friends for ages, and she said to me, listen, I really, I've been feeling burdened about something, and I really just, like, I hope you don't get offended, but I want to talk to you about this. And I was like, okay. She's like, the way you talk to Reese sometimes is really offensive. Like, I know, right? <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
No, she's like, I've noticed that, that you just put him down and you, you, the, the way that you say stuff can be quite nasty. And I feel like if you don't change it, you might end up going down a road that's going to be bad for your marriage. And I had to choose humility that day and say, you know what? This is a friend that loves me. This is a friend that's been in my life for years. I can either listen to her and allow her to shape my marriage or I can choose to get offended, lose a great friendship and possibly not have a great marriage. And so there's times if you want in community where you actually have to choose humility. There's another time, I'm almost done, where um, (laughs) my mother-in-law is amazing. I have honestly the best mother-in-law in the world. And she will never just say something to me or tell me what to do. Like she's very, very gracious. But the one day, like I like to put on great parties for my kids. I love birthdays. Anyone on 27th of August, love birthdays. But, um, but, and so I want to make a big deal of my kids' birthdays. And so I put on great, these like eccentric parties. And the one day I was like, but I stress eh? I'm like, I'm a nervous wreck when it's party day. Cause I'm like, the cake's not done. It's falling apart. This is, duh. and I'm trying to, and I'm running around. And the one day my mom-in-law called me aside and she was just like, Tam, can I, can I just tell you something? She's like, hospitality is not about impressing people. It's about blessing people. She's like, just relax. Focus on what's important. And I was like, yeah, okay. In the moment. But I'm telling you that that message that she said, she probably doesn't even remember that I, that I remember it. She's coming in the second service. So I'll make sure she knows. But um, that, that's helped me in not just hospitality, but in so many other, other areas. When I was preparing the sermon, I kept saying that to myself over and over. It's not about impressing people. It's about blessing people. And so when, you, when you're vulnerable, when you have humility, when you're open, you take a risk with people, you actually allow them to speak into your life. And then there's just one more, one more group of people I wanted to talk to today. And that's maybe you have tried this. Maybe you're hearing this and you're like, yeah, 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 I've been there, done that. I did risk. I was vulnerable. I have built into relationships, but I haven't seen anything back and I want to read you a scripture. It's from Galatians 6, 7 to, Galatians 6, 7, it says 7 to 90. I'm pretty sure that's not right. 7 to 10, I think it's supposed to be. Um, and I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. It says, no, to make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. For what you plant, you will, all, will always be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that, that was planted. If you plant the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from everlasting life of the spirit. And don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to the to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. The fact is you can't build meaningful relationships if you give up. Don't allow the enemy of your soul to stop you from living out the call God has on your life. You will reap what you sow if you don't give up. And I, in a sermon the other day, we actually heard one of the pastors say, you might not reap. It doesn't say you'll reap where you sow. It says you'll reap what you sow. So maybe you've been sowing and you've been investing in relationships and you haven't seen the fruit of it. Don't give up. You might not see the fruit of it in that relationship. But if you're sowing seeds of community, seeds of relationship, you will reap that. 
maybe in another, in another area or another relationship, but you will reap it. So don't give up. If you want to grow, if you want to see God do something in your life, if you want to become more like Jesus, then get yourself planted into life, life-giving relationships. Thank you. <laughs>